Um, today, I'm having a conversation with Robin Reynolds, who is the founder of Ink and Alchemy, and she is an artist, a poet, and she has a other job too. Welcome to Conversations, Episode 6. My name is Amy Adams. I'm the editor of Conscious Life Space and the broadcaster of this podcast. Today's episode features Robin Reynolds of Ink and Alchemy. She's an artist, a poet, and an engineer and manager. A series of traumas led her to visual arts journaling and slam poetry. In today's episode, we discuss the value of art, healing and transformation, memory, creation, slam poetry, and healing art journals. Uh, welcome, Robin, to Conversations. Thank you. So, um, actually, I wanted to ask you about your other work. So, were you do some kind of like engineering or something? I'm, I'm actually a manager now, but um, th yes, and that, that whole thing is sort of part of my journey toward, um, you know, healing and kind of coming into myself. I grew up in Ohio. I was born in Ohio. Um, very much, you know, stay-at-home mom kind of little small town that I was in, and I never really thought I would go to college at all. So through a series of things that happened when I was 34, so I already had kids, married, um, really feeling very frustrated with my life. Uh -huh. I could feel a pull toward creative things, um, which really wasn't appreciated either in that situation that I was in. It seemed frivolous, I think. It's a very practical kind of um, community that I lived in. Uh -huh. So um, I, uh, to be honest with you, I, I ended up getting a divorce. And then my sister committed suicide really within, I think the same week, it's a blur. But I just decided to leave, to um, go find, I figured my life is a mess as it is, so anything would be better. So I took the kids, they were 10 and 12 at the time, and I moved to Albuquerque, um, which is, you know, in retrospect, an interesting move. But uh, I think I did it out of desperation. And I, the reason I did it is I applied to colleges all over the country and I got into the University of New Mexico. Ah. So I started a chemistry degree, which truly was crazy, crazy for me. And so I did that. I um, took a long time, six years really, to work through that while I was working. And then I, I got a, an engineering degree. So it's, it's sort of been part of my transformation to realize that I can do anything I want, really. And it's been a real surprise to see um, where I ended up. So. Wow. So I didn't realize it was chemistry. I knew there was, I, you know, I had some vague uh, idea about like engineering, yeah. but I didn't really know there was chemistry too. So actually though, like, did you always have an interest in the sciences? I mean, no. Like, okay. So that's really something I'm curious about too. I yes. mean, to choose, why choose chemistry? Well, actually, um, I'm going to reveal something about myself right now. I, um, I was in a very bad place. Just everything in my life was torn asunder in one fell swoop. And so actually I drank an entire bottle of wine. Um, this was in 2003. So I did have internet, but I think it was, I don't know, maybe still dial up. Um, I didn't even know how to use it very well. And I just kind of started Googling who makes the most money because I thought if I'm going to do this, this wild, crazy thing, I realized a lot of people go to college. It didn't seem attainable to me. Um, and I thought I might as well just shoot for the moon and I better make some money while I'm doing it. 
So chemical engineering is actually the program that I started in. At the time, it was listed on Forbes as one of the highest paying jobs. So um, along the way, I, I started working at a laboratory here in Albuquerque and really was doing more basic chemistry. Mm-hmm. So I switched to chemistry. Uh, and, then my, and then I got a master's in nanoscience and microsystems engineering. So wow. I still work at that same laboratory. I've been there now for um, since 2003, kind of worked my way through really just a student, a technologist, a staff member, and now a manager. Wow. Um, That's so. great. So do people at work know that you're a poet and uh, <laughs> that you make <laughs> the art? I think <laughs> some do. Yeah, I don't really hide it. But then again, work is so busy. It's not something that comes up. Right. Um, it definitely seems like two different pieces of my life. And in answer to your question, I was always more of a, of a reader. Um, I, I, I never considered myself artistic, mm-hmm. uh, especially as far as visual art, which I find interesting now because it really has been, um, I think the framework upon which I built how I changed my life and how I healed myself along the way. And I didn't know that. I just kind of started doing it almost secretly that makes sense. I was almost embarrassed of it because I thought I'm no good at this. Um, Why would I do this? It's not practical. It's not serving any purpose in my life because I was still stuck in the old mindset. Mm -hmm. And I just kept it up. I've been doing art for years now. Um, And it it really, it's for me. I do sell some art. Um, I've been in some shows, but it's about the process and it's about working through things in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I think without that art and the writing all this way, I don't think I would have been able to do the transformation that I've done. Huh. You know, it's kind of interesting though, because uh, you referred a couple of times to kind of like you were brought up in this kind of like practical world, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I, my parents too, they really, they encouraged art, but not as a living. Mm. So that was not really, oh, isn't that nice? You can do that. But, you know, when you want to go to school for it or something, they're, they were like, hmm. So, or maybe if you wanted to become a teacher or something where you could have like a practical application to go right. to kids or something. But for me, that was something that I completely never wanted to do. That just didn't, that wasn't a thing. Do you think that the value of art uh, is not really, um, Hmm. How do, what's the word? Quantifiable, maybe? Yeah, like it doesn't really, I mean, I think, I, I mean, at least in my own personal experience, and even still, this has been a huge struggle for me, is that, um, I mean, I was told at one point when I was working uh, as doing art full time that I don't work. <laughs> I... <laughs> by someone even though I was making money but I mean I wasn't living the life that they were right so. <laughs> so I, I think the value of art um is uh underestimated all the time and you know why I don't know I can say you know where I came from and maybe it's different now I have not been back to that small town in Ohio in 15 years but they're really they just I don't think they're exposed to it maybe as much as um we are those of us who seek it out now. And, um, you know, I fill my life, uh, my personal life, certainly with creative people, creative things. Um, and so you really start to understand the value of it. There mm-hmm. is a dollars and cents part to it. it I think um, people who make their living in art, uh, I really respect them even more than someone who goes to a corporation and gets a, a steady paycheck because you have to work your ass off to get Mm-hmm. Um, something built and established and maintained and you're constantly having to push. I've seen people do it. It's yeah. hard, right? And so to me, I respect that um, just a little bit more because you're not walking into an already created system and just being a cog in the 
in the whole system, but you yeah. are creating that whole brand new thing. That in itself is kind of an act of creation, right? And you're doing it against all odds because the world doesn't appreciate art sometimes. So yeah. I, I think that um, actually had I, if I had this to do over again, I may have gone more, I, I might've tried to do a business more around art. Mm-hmm. Really, it's not art. It's it's healing and transformation that I'm so interested in. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So- art, art is a kind of vague term, but. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think most of us, most people, um, I think when you talk about art and all these creative endeavors, you're really looking at how do you understand your life and transform it? Or um, how do you interpret the world and, and use art to do that? Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's easier sometimes, like what I did. It wasn't easy, but, but it was more... Um, I knew what to expect. I was, I could see other people making money that way. And I, I did that to be honest with you. I never did think I wasn't a scientist at heart. I see people at work that just live and breathe that. Right. Uh I can do it, but I'm actually uh, a lot more on the creative and conceptual side than people who get down in the weeds on precise numbers and calculations, which I think makes me a little bit different, a little bit more agile, I believe in the, in the discipline that I work in. Uh But at the same time, I don't know if I'm really happy. It's, this isn't my life's dream to be a a scientist or a manager or anything else. I'd rather be doing art and making money for that. And if I had realized that at the beginning, I think I would have done that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So how did you even like come into it though? Like what was the thing that got you into journaling specifically? that because that's a I mean I know there's a lot of like scrapbooking and different things but journaling is a little bit different and because you're kind of creating and you're going on themes and and what was your first like exposure to that Hmm. so I think as part of um I've always been a bit of a writer um never consistently wrote in a journal and uh the journals that I do now as I I'm sure you realize they're not really just a written journal. They're more of a visual journal, right? But they include words in there. When I first was kind of moving from Ohio to Albuquerque, I was writing when I could, not regularly. And I think that just morphed into um, these more visual journals. Those are the things that I was kind of uh, hiding, doing in the closet Uh because they're kind of grungy and they're not beautiful in many cases and there is no practical purpose for them. Uh, you know, what are you going to do with this book of, you know, it's, if you just, are you just looking at dollars and cents or can you sell your work or whatever, there is no practical purpose. So I had to get over that, that, um, barrier. And I think it's just developed over the years. I can't actually remember the first time I really started doing it. And I can't remember the first time I actually acknowledged that I thought it was a valuable thing in my life. Uh-huh. It just evolved into that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So did you actually, when you were writing, did you keep all your journals through the years of your writings or do you kind of toss some things away and like uh, edit them later? I wish I had kept them throughout the years. I am terrible about keeping things. I don't, I, I'm sort of almost a minimalist. And mm-hmm. so I've get, gotten rid of a lot of things that now at this age, 48, I kind of wish I had kept just so that I could go back and, and remember because memory is such a failing thing, right? It's just changeable. And, um, I'm working on some activities right now to really look back at my past. Mm -hmm. I think for the longest time, the way that I dealt with some of that was just to shut it off, walk away from it and and create something new in my life, which Mm -hmm. is a valid approach. And I don't want to wallow in the past, but I want to go back a little bit and look at it and really understand what was it? Was that true? Or is that a memory that I sort of, twisted to my own um uses we do that 
right? Yeah. It would help a lot if I had these journals, but I do not for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and even the ones that I make today, often I'll write, but then I'll do art or something over them. And um, to me, that process seems like sort of uh, acknowledging that that piece is over. Uh -huh. That nothing's ever around for me to sort of reference or, or look at. Maybe that's good. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I try to live in the present. So. Yeah. When you're healing though, too, like an old issue, sometimes taking whole blocks of time and tried to heal something. And, yes. and then a few years later though, all of a sudden, you know, that, I mean, I'm definitely I'm better than I was before, but yes. all of a sudden, you know, that little thought will just rear its ugly head, you know, like a yes. little dragon. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly it, Amy. I have, um, so going to school and doing all that, that was kind of just a hard slog for a long time. You know, I had two kids, I had a full-time job and I had college. And so even though within that, I, I know I was healing. I definitely was, but I wasn't doing it sort of strategically or consciously for the most mm -hmm. part, because I was just too darn busy right. to work on that, the, the real like emotional landscape piece. So I think it happened. Um, but as a byproduct of that, but then after I kind of got through the main part of school and I think I started feeling a lot more confidence in the world, I, that's really when the journaling came into play and I started doing that consistently. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the healing really started happening. And so now, just like you're saying, I thought I had really moved away from a lot of things and through a convergence of, of factors. And it's amazing how the universe really will step up and, and direct you into a way or a path right now in the next month, I'm going to do a lot of revisiting the past. And I think mm -hmm. it's because it's time finally for me to take a good, strong, hard look at it directly and acknowledge what did happen, what didn't happen, what I'm done with and what I'm not done with, and then finally move on. Mm -hmm. So funny how they just keep coming back. And I think you're never done, right? Never. Yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I can, I think with age, there is some beauty to it because we do kind of realize that our time is big, becoming less on this earth. So, right. so we don't really get wrapped up in some of, some of the older stuff that we thought might have been a worry in the past. At least that's yes. my opinion. I think it, it's kind of like, well, at the time it, it was a valid concern, mm -hmm. <laughs> but now with age, it's like, well, that really, that's really not that important. So. I agree. Our thresholds change for sure, right? Yeah. I mean, they just raised where everything underneath that threshold it's small stuff and why waste your time on it? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if everyone gets there and I don't know if you've experienced this, but you know, when you're out in the world, there are people who are still really down in the weeds mm -hmm. and getting wrapped around the axle over what appears to me to be very small things that I just don't want to spend my time on. Right. And, um, I try to really, you know, distance myself from that. And that's one of the lessons I've learned, which I think has served me well. I, I guess I felt like anyone who ever had a, conversation or a concern or something they wanted to talk to me about, I sort of felt this obligation to engage with them. Mm -hmm. And the uh, last couple of years, I've really realized I don't have to do that. I, I have much more important things to do mm -hmm. in my life in some situations. And there are certain things that you could talk about all day long. And if that person's never going to move forward, it's not going to do any good anyway. Right. So you're just throwing your time and effort and, and love into a black hole. And yeah. I don't know if I can stand that anymore because time is so precious, right? Yeah. Well, somebody recently, I, I don't remember who it was. I mean, whether I read a quote or it was just somebody in a Facebook because somebody was, uh, you know, kind of complaining about something like they were very frustrated and they said, well, just remember that wherever there is this kind of like darker or negative feeling, 
and simultaneously there's the opposite side that exists and you can kind of choose where you want to be on the spectrum there yeah love art and i i think that journaling is something that i've never really have done like you do so mm. i I actually started to see you inspired me <laughs> so, <laughs> since I kind of moved away from art. I felt like this is something good to, just to kind of express myself. So I have like a tiny notebook and I just decided that sometimes at the end of the day, I'm just going to doodle. So it could be with markers or mm -hmm. whatever. I don't care what material it is. It just, I mean, I even have like those highlighter pens, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, so something like that. So I'm going to try it and see how that goes. But my, by the way, my memory is awful. And I, I think this is an important part of, of my journey. Um, I had a lot of trauma when I was young and it took me a lot of years to figure out that my brain just blocked most of it and, and in the process blocked a whole lot of other things. Mm -hmm. And so um, I always have felt kind of broken in that way that I have a terrible memory. Uh -huh. This is why I wish I had kept some of my journals. And so when I look back at the art that I've done, it really visually just um, is a cue to me. And I can remember very richly and deeply what I was thinking about or what was happening. And so to me, that's a huge uh, benefit. Yeah. As, you know, kind of a record of my life for me yeah. and it really helps well yeah memory is very tricky I actually was married um I was in a relationship for 20 years with somebody who ultimately at one point had a brain injury and so the whole idea of memory and then that whole thing like confabulation where we actually fill in the blanks of things yeah. that may not even be real sometimes right. you know, sometimes it is accurate your memory when you're thinking back if it gets triggered but sometimes it could be that thing called confabulation which i kind of is to me is kind of a scary thing that you know human beings do <laughs> so. right right well my sister had a uh, an impeccable memory she died when she was 31 and um, until that time i did not realize truly how much i relied on her for uh -huh. um it's actually amazing. We, we spent so much time together. We grew up together. We had our kids together when we were younger and we, we uh, each had our own husbands, but we would during the day call each other, take the kids places. We were just together all the time. And so without realizing it, I was relying on her constant sort of stream of memories and they would trigger mine. Right. Since I have lost her, I have, I don't have that. And it's almost as if I've lost most of my memory, uh -huh. which has shocked me shocked me. Yeah. So um, I, I, I've let it go in a lot of ways. I don't know a, a lot of those memories. I don't know if they're even worth retrieving, but I want to, I want to make sure that in this present time, I can um, really experience my life in a way that makes sense. Right. Right. And that my, uh, that my mental processes are more accurate. I've been thinking a lot about truth, right? Truth, memories, love, what do those things mean and how do they mix together and how yeah. do we confuse them all the time? We do. Actually, in one of your poems, um, you actually talk about love. I don't have the quote in front of me, but that you don't, you know, we can't even really know what love is because it's changing all the time. Yes, yes. Uh, um, let's see, what is that? Um, something can... about love, it will change a thousand times. Yeah, and yes. I, I love that because um, everything is always changing and... Uh, but we're not even really aware of it because I think we're like so slow to change human beings, in my opinion. Yes. Yes. So, so I'm actually going to find the quote. That is, um, that's from middle-aged white women. Yes. So, which I love that poem, by the way, because I am Thank a middle-aged white woman. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, Albuquerque, as you're looking for that, Albuquerque is a very artsy kind of creative city. And I love that. It has helped me to open up my myself to that and realize that it's, it's okay to do. But honestly, especially in the performance poetry realm, um, you know, it tends to be younger people, um, people sort of on the fringe. Um, and I, I felt that the middle-aged white women kind of persona, it wasn't very well represented. So that's how I started writing that. Uh-huh. And it's turned into something really different. So. Yeah. So did you present that like on stage or anything? So I've done it many times. Yeah. I, I, um, I haven't been doing it as much in the last couple of months, but I do slam poetry uh-huh. here in Albuquerque. Um, last summer I was actually on a team. We um, traveled to Kentucky and competed in a in a nationwide competition. Mm-hmm. And this particular poem I've done, I would bet hundreds of times on stages at little bars and coffee shops and stuff. And almost every time someone comes up to me, usually a middle-aged white woman, <laughs> and just gives me a hug and says, thanks so much. Because I think we're out there walking around and we're, you know, 45, 50 some years old and everyone just thinks, um, you know, we have nothing interesting to say, which is not true. There's a whole lot of nuance and story and um, things going on behind these, these people that we've grown into, right? Mm-hmm. Often I think the young think they have, they have cornered the market on, uh, you know, <laughs> excitement and emotional turmoil and all that stuff. So. <laughs> Yeah, they haven't lived yet, really, to know. So. Isn't it funny? It's it's funny to me. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's well, how that's that actually why I started Conscious Life Space. Actually, was to kind of create a platform for to have a voice to kind of say, like, look, hey, I have lived a lot of years and mm-hmm. I learned a lot of shit. <laughs> so yeah. I know a lot yeah. of things and I can share it with you. I mean, I actually, uh, in one, I tried, I haven't published it yet, but I did something where I was telling younger women something very specific about women's health. And mm-hmm. I just <laughs> was, you know, because I'm like, maybe somebody else isn't going to tell you. So right. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> You're yep. welcome. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And that, that poem actually starts out, and believe me, in a room of people that came to watch performance poetry, it irritates them at the beginning. Because these are people, like I said, typically young. They don't have 401ks. They don't have degrees yet. They're still working on that stuff. Right. By the time they're my age, they'll likely have something like that. But they're still in that kind of rage against the man and, you know, yeah. all this. And so I start out with, you know, uh, I have a 401k, my car is still under warranty. And so I'm trying to say, this is what you see these middle-aged women as most of the time. We have our shit together. Uh, you know, our kids are raised and all this. But then I start going through some of the stuff that led me to that. And um, it gets, I think that's what I'm trying to say is we are not what you see on the surface. And we went through a whole lot of stuff to get here. And you could yes. learn a lot from that. Yeah. So. Actually, I wanted to ask you, would you actually do one of your poems, like, on this uh, podcast? Sure, yeah, yeah, of course I will. Okay, yeah, I'm happy to do it. My shoes make a satisfying clack when I walk. My car, still under warranty. I have a 401k, and I'm not hungry right now. Okay, I'll admit it. I don't actually remember the last time I was really hungry. I'm a middle-aged white woman, and from the outside, it looks like I have my shit together, which makes me fade into the background sometimes, but that's not the whole story. I remember searching the floorboard of a Chevy Nova that hadn't run in months. I was looking for loose change so I could buy cheap beer and fuck an unemployed waiter that I didn't even like. I remember when one of my husbands got so angry that he put his fist through the kitchen window, blood dripping down and freezing into the crunching snow. 
I remember the day my sister took the trouble to carry an old chair down 27 stairs into her damp basement. She tied 12 knots in the cord and then she hung herself from the rafters. When I found her, her feet were pointing like a ballerina. I remember thinking I was right hundreds, no, thousands of times and in reality being so, so wrong. I remember getting an abortion and doing shots of Jack afterwards. I remember ripping one marriage to shreds. My point is this life is much more complicated than you think. It's painted over thickly with gray. There is so much shattering in every life. Vessels meant to hold come crashing to the ground. Windows, not used so much for seeing out, but useful for keeping the predators at bay. They break too, the tinkling of glass, waking you in the dark of the night. So, when you encounter a chain link fence, climb. Immediately check for metal barbs and seek a soft spot for landing. Understand that dogs are lying in wait. Hungry dogs, stupid dogs, dogs that have been beaten and kicked, jowls swinging and dripping like ham hocks in a meat locker. These dogs are ticking off the seconds, watching as you work the tips of your boots into each silver diamond, sweat salty and thick, beating a line on your forehead as you navigate the loops and whirls of wire poised to slice your palms. And still, the dogs wait to lap your blood. This is what it is like to live in this world. You will struggle to your feet, weary and panting, more times than you ever thought possible. And do not think you know what love is. I swear to you, on my word, it will change a thousand times. And so, if middle-aged white women wrote slam poetry, I think they would say, it's rough out there. Be careful, sweet cheeks. Bravo. I love it. I haven't done that one in a while. So thank you for asking. (laughs) Really, thank you so much for sharing that because that that was absolutely beautiful. So So many uh, life experiences that Robin has made herself vulnerable and shared here publicly. And so I just wanted to pause here and uh, mention that we will be talking about suicide briefly and suicide prevention. Um, The team that I was on last summer, we we worked a lot of events that were about suicide prevention and, and things of that nature and mental health mm-hmm. issues. And so we, we had some other poems that we wrote and, and I use that one quite a bit to start conversations. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, I mean, I, when I read that, I was like, I didn't know that about you. So, I mean, it was like, Whoa. <laughs> so I, and you, sadly to say, you're not the only person that I know who has had other family members who have committed yeah. suicide. It's actually much more common than we would like to believe. So It really is. And I think, you know, for me, um, one of the things that I am sensitive about is, uh, I, I guess there's some truth to this. I'm sure there is. Often people think, assume, or say, you know, something along the lines of, hey, you know, people who are kind of crying out there, do they just want attention? Um, mm-hmm. They're probably not going to really do that. And, um, you know, I really, I, I sometimes really strongly argue back with people that have that opinion because um, I don't remember ever once hearing my sister talk about it. She just did it, right. which is terrifying to me that you can yeah. just not know. And I, I tried to work through that for uh, many years, probably still not there. Um, and how did I miss that? And how did I not somehow um, help her? Uh-huh. I mean, I knew, I knew that she, um, 
struggled a little bit. Um, I feel like I was always a lot more resilient than her. We had a lot of trauma in our lives mm -hmm. and I could let it roll off my back a little more than she could. Mm -hmm. I guess I didn't realize the whole time we were going through that, how much it was affecting her and that it was aggregating. Right. So um, I feel pretty strongly that, you know, when we hear someone talking about things like that, we shouldn't dismiss it. Um, and that, you know, really they are asking for help in most cases. They just don't know how to ask. And right. um, I've had a very close person in my life as, um, in the, in the years since my sister's suicide, who really did come to me for help. And I have also learned that the system isn't really that helpful sometimes. Um, you know, when you try to get them help, uh, it's hard. It takes a long time to get appointments. Mm -hmm. um, it seemed like they just want to medicate a lot without really understanding the problem. Right. So the system itself is not set up for success in, in many ways, at least in my experience. Yeah. I actually recently interviewed a nutritionist who actually was talking about the mental health system because nutrition can actually play like a very big role in your mental health because the whole gut and, you know, brain link and everything. Yeah. And uh, she was saying, though, that uh, some people, too, I mean, that maybe they have uh, not like kind of like a severe depression, but they're having some kind of, you know, doctors are saying to them, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just an emotional issue like you don't really have a disease those are fake symptoms or whatever right. and they send them to a psychiatrist but she said that even the psychiatrist there's not enough of them and that it's even hard to get like an appointment and she said the system was also broken so it's kind of interesting to hear it from a second person just in the last couple of weeks you know yeah that. that's interesting I, I firmly believe that uh, my daughter just got certified as a yoga instructor oh. and she wants to focus on sort of trauma and healing for women through uh -huh. yoga. I think that's a really valid, um, I mean, it's not a, a, an end all be all solution, but I think a holistic approach, nutrition, as you mentioned, um, some mechanisms to minimize stress and really increase mm -hmm. your physical awareness and health in the world probably help a lot. And yeah. then I, I do believe that art, creative endeavors, whether it's writing, um, you know, visual journaling, whatever it is that works for people is a huge part of that. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, one of the things about art that I kind of um, think that I've been trying to get a message out to people, which doesn't always work, is that it's not that complicated. Because I think people say to me, yeah. well, I don't know anything about art, you know, and, and like, you don't really need to know anything yes. about it. <laughs> Just look at it. <laughs> so, hallelujah, sister. That's a big lesson I had. And that's why I felt kind of, you know, I did. I felt embarrassed and dumb about it. I was drawn to creative things, to art and poetry. I remember reading poetry books in this big dusty old library in Ohio and I would never take them out. I would just put them back. I would read them at the library because I didn't want anyone to think I was too fancy or, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> and, and I also thought, well, I, I, I just have a high school education. How can I understand this? And then when I came here, ironically, I do have a college education now and I realize it's completely irrelevant when it comes to art. You don't need that. <laughs> Um, and that is a question I get from people a lot, whether it's about the visual stuff that I do or the poetry, um, people will very often come up to me and say, I've always wanted to do that, but I don't know how to get started. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's what a lot of my online presence has been about with ink and alchemy mm -hmm. is, um, just start, just do something. Who cares? I mean, it's more about the process truly than the product. And as you continue doing it, you just grow in confidence and, mm -hmm. Um, I think people don't understand that you can just do it. And it, it, there's some kind of energy barrier there where people want to do it for decades. And it's so sad to me that they feel trapped and they can't ever start. 
Yeah, I'm kind of glad that like uh, journaling has become a more popular thing too. I've seen, I've noticed it, it's being taught more or, or maybe that it, it was probably always around, but now because we have like this kind of communities that are building that it, the word is getting out, like you can do this. This is something yeah. that you can try and this is how you do it. <laughs> it's like yeah. for people yeah. who don't know, you know, it's like, it's not, you just start somewhere. And I think that was, um, uh, yeah, starting is like a huge, huge thing. But I also understand that uh, wanting to hide and not really putting it out there, because yeah. even though I um, I have always loved art throughout my whole life, and I tried, I I never had very fine motor skills. I'm left-handed, and me and, too. And, oh, in a right-handed world. <laughs> so, yes. So. Um, that's always been really challenging for me that I never really developed those fine motor skills. So to do kind of like very realistic or kind of fine little tiny mm -hmm. things that just is never going to happen for me. <laughs> so. me either. And you know, this is something that I had to, to come to terms with and I am there now. Actually, if I choose what kind of art I want in my home or what really pleases me when I walk into a gallery or something, it's not, and I'm not, I'm not being um, dismissive of this kind of art. It's just not what speaks to me. I don't like fine detail scenery and still lives or whatever. I like grungy, weird, um, abstract, funky stuff. Yeah. And when I let myself be free to do that, that's mm -hmm. when things really started opening up for me. Right. And actually, I've had a revelation in the last, I'd say, month related to Ink and Alchemy that I haven't admitted to anyone yet. So I'll tell you now. I was speaking a message to people that you could be brave and do this art, et cetera, et cetera. And without realizing it, I was focusing ink and alchemy on other people's art. Uh -huh. Ostensibly because I wanted to help people promote their art. But I realized what behind that was a fear of putting my own work out there. Yeah. So by promoting other people's art, I could avoid being very vulnerable while saying to people, sure, go on, put yourself out there. So there was a, a dichotomy there that didn't make sense. And um, I don't know if you noticed, but in the last, like, maybe a couple months, I have changed the focus of Ink and Alchemy and forced myself to put my work on there. Yes, I did notice actually. And I did actually notice, I, I, I think it, it was more than a few months ago when you actually published um, your other poem, the not bed sheets, the, uh, the egg salad yes. uh, one, when you yes. published that. I actually, I, I mean, because I pretty much followed your page for a long, long time, like in the group. And so um, I didn't remember ever seeing anything like that. And then when you put that out there, I was like, wow, that is awesome. Like she did Thank it. You. She put it out there and she, because honestly, look, I'm sorry, I'm going to cry. I get like so emotional. Oh, thank you, Amy. No, because you know, it's beautiful. And because you know what? I mean, I think a lot of us are terrified to like, say what we mean and you know everyone's like you know especially women because um what like it's it's not even like uh it's kind of like these subtle things you know oh you don't you know when you're a kid speak when you're spoken to or when if you're a woman you're kind of like you're kind of putting yourself second or caring for other people right. and then um and then you have all these like thoughts and feelings and things and then you just keep them to yourself or maybe yeah. share them with a couple of girlfriends or something but um in general we are kind of quieter and um uh, mm -hmm. you know less likely to i think men um have 
you know, have always been bolder. And I think that's why you see a lot more men uh, making success in the art world. Some people say it's sexist. I don't necessarily think that's 100% true. I just don't think that there's as many women actually working in the field too. So yes. we're not going to have representation as much. So I agree. And even, you know, referencing back to my professional career, you can imagine at a national laboratory that's primarily engineering focused, we have women that are successful there, but the lion's share of all of that belongs to men. Mm -hmm. There are probably, I'm sure, I know there are still some sexist pieces of that. Part of it is simply that in the years past, women didn't go into that field as much. And so it's a numbers game right now. Right. So I agree. Um, yeah. The egg salad poem, that was, that was, I think I put that out during the summer. I was really writing with that team and they gave me a lot of confidence to really uh -huh. um, you know, be open with that stuff. And we were doing it in front of big crowds. We were practicing, we were competing. Right. And so I felt a lot more comfortable. Uh, but that's a true story. And um, I had had a part of a poem in my little queue for a long time about my ex-husband, the father of my two kids. And um, then last May, he overdosed at, on heroin. And um, I, I, I just felt, it just kicked that poem into gear. It just allowed me to work through that and finish mm -hmm. that. And um, one of the things I love about that the most is that I realized, I just really felt nothing for love for him. I just felt so sad that he had ended up in that situation. And so yeah. many people do, uh, they yes. just lose control of their lives and there's nothing you can do to bring them back. So, yeah. yeah. I actually, where I grew up in the New York Metro area, I had many, many people that I grew up with um, have died very young because of heroin. Heroin has really taken a toll. I mean, it's been going on for many, many years now, but now in the U.S. it's even uh, worse, I think. But I think, I, I, it, I think it's spread throughout, like, the entire country now. I think maybe it was maybe a little more focused in cities before. Yeah. Yeah, I so. think it used to be more inner city kind of, you know, thing. And, and now I think even a lot of the small towns across the United States are suffering, Um so yeah, it, thank you for, for that about the poem. That one's a pretty important one to me. And I kind of phrased it in a funny way because I was, I feel like a lot of my work is very heavy and mm -hmm. I try to find ways to make it not, not so taxing to myself and the audience because who wants to listen to that crap? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do want to listen to it, but in like in bite-sized pieces, I think. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yes. have you actually ever heard of a, a, she's a very young singer. Her name is Aurora. Uh, she uses like so. the moniker. She's amazing. She's very young. She started writing stuff when she was like 10 years old. I oh, mean, wow crazy anyway she's right and her stuff is really kind of dark like one of oh. her um but it's and it's fascinating to me that she wrote some of it where she she couldn't have even have lived this you know what I mean it was like a, a kind of uh, crazy thing but now she's actually touring around the world and she basically took her writings and you know she sings and yeah. and she does this thing but she says in one of her things too Oh, well, you know, uh, this is, uh, it, I kind of have to laugh because she says, in this last song, this is the last sad song for the night, <laughs> she said. She said, <laughs> I always try to wrap them in some kind of pretty little tune, you know? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, and I think when you're presenting your poetry, though, when it's like the spoken word there, it, it is like in, I mean, you're, maybe you don't have music necessarily, but it is like a song in a way to me. Yeah. Because you're you're doing that. Do you find though that actually, so I know that you do the journaling and this uh, spoken 
word poetry, but do you um, find one more or is it kind of equal, like as far as healing goes? Hmm. Um, I don't think as far as the healing goes, but I will tell you that the art is, there's my cat, the yeah. art is easier for me um, uh, because it's, it's a little more mindless. I'd let myself just kind of throw stuff down on the page and mm -hmm. not care what it looks like, which took me a while to understand. Um, right. So it, it's a lot more, um, there's a lot more ease associated with that. Whereas the writing, you really have to find the time and the mental energy. And as you know, you know, you throw some stuff down, go back later, edit it. It takes a while to get to something. Uh -huh. um, so I think they both heal, but I think I tend to do the art more readily and easily. Mm -hmm. So you did um, a workshop, uh, it was part of something called 21 Secrets. Mm -hmm. So um, are you planning to do any more workshops then? So I am. I do have a collaborator. Um, on, she goes by My September Moon. And so we are collaborating together to do some workshops in the future. We're still in that designing phase right now. And so I don't have dates for those, but uh, we're really excited. And it really is around... Um, art journaling and um, healing, um, just developing good emotional uh, skills and habits and identifying where maybe you don't have those through mm -hmm. journaling. So um, I'm excited about that and I expect it to be coming maybe in the next three to six months. So will they be local or are you going to do some virtual ones or? I think we're going to do both. We'll probably okay. do some small local ones um, really to be able to have that in-person um, communication and and really understand some lessons learned work out the kinks but ultimately we're going to do that online and offer those online so uh -huh. that's yeah. great yeah that's pretty really exciting good. that's exciting I, I didn't actually see a therapist for many many years and then i did and um you know i think once she said something like you know for all this stuff that you had go on i think you're okay and she said and here's why you're self-medicating we normally would recommend to people that they do some creative activity maybe to, to sort of work through that. I mean, we know that you get kids in therapy and we have them draw and write and everything else. And so um, I think those of us who are doing this, we are, we are working through it on our own a lot. Mm -hmm. And we're much stronger in the world when you have that inner core for yourself and you're not just thrown around by other things. Right. Yeah. I feel stronger because of journaling. Yeah. Do you? Yes, I do. I, I, I think without art, I don't, I really don't know where I would have ended up because I did have a period where I was just really falling apart. Me I mean, too. you know, I think, I think everybody has, you know, the dark night of the soul at some point, but, you know, right. but where we end up afterwards, you know, we, we well, hopefully it's in a better place. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what that Pinterest saying is, but isn't it something like, we all have adversity. It's how you handle it that counts or something. Yeah. And, you know, I really do just try to focus on the positive and I know you do as well, not to the point of ignoring what's really going on right. or not acknowledging the negative, but I think if you have a safe space to kind of work it out, whether it's, you know, any kind of art, journaling, whatever, creative writing, I think that really helps you offload some of that and be able to keep your hand on the reins for the positive and the happiness. Yeah. And, and sometimes some people can't. Yeah, and I think sometimes too, like maybe, uh, pro I think for anybody who's listening, if they were to do journaling or poetry, you don't, there's no requirement that you have to share it with anyone. No. I no. mean, I think that's something too that maybe, I mean, I, and maybe uh, you will decide that you want to and open yourself up to that. 
Um, and actually, I think a lot of people even, you know, aren't going to necessarily judge it as being anything, because I think a lot of people just kind of respect the fact that you have the courage to yeah. uh, take the step and put it out there. Maybe you share it in with just somebody that, you know, that's close to you, or maybe just uh, even in like a group where you don't even know people more anonymously to, I think that actually, and you can... I think share, I mean, because I do think at one point though too, you don't really have to share if you're doing it as like a healing thing. But I think at some point when you keep making art, I think it's almost like, I I would encourage people to share it, uh, to share poetry or art because like, I, I find comfort in knowing that I'm not the only person that had these kind of crazy things that happened yes. or that, and, and just, I think because we're, we have such this kind of like high gloss, you know, all right, so maybe less magazines and more internet, but still Instagram mm -hmm. and yeah. social media, the whole, you know, this is the kind of recurring theme that I, has been coming up for me lately is that we're living in this kind of um, plastic world. And, yeah. it, you know, it's, it, that's okay. I mean, sure, of course, I want to show my better, you know, side of my face in my profile picture or whatever, or I don't want to look like, you know, I just woke up and <laughs> I only had two hours of sleep or something. But right. I also think like, you know, we're human beings and like this shared human experience is really important. And uh, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And you know, I, I actually can look back um, and almost laugh at, at the terrible deep fear I felt about sharing my stuff, mm -hmm. both visual and written, because it feels so personal, right? It's like you're throwing your, your heart right out there and letting everyone trample mm -hmm. on it. Um, I have to say, um, I can't recall at this moment, any time anyone has said anything really hurtful or negative, mm -hmm. whether it's performing in front of groups or online. Um, and even sometimes when we perform, you're at a bar or a brewery and half of the people just came to have a beer. They didn't even come for poetry. Mm -hmm. or I also do some comedy. Thank God. That's that beautiful <laughs> tune on either end. I kind of interweave it in there. But, um, really, I haven't had a lot of negative feedback at all. And so when I look back, I think um, in a way it's, it's funny and um, interesting that people are so terrified because you're right. Most of the time people are just just um, generous of spirit and just, they think it's brave that you do it. A lot of people wish they could do it and they mm -hmm. can't. And um, they just appreciate that you're being honest and open. Yeah. And I think there's something valuable in that. Like you said, you don't have to share, but um, if you do taking that extra step, I think it actually somehow locks it in and solidifies it a little more and makes it real. Yeah. For me at least. So. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, that's a good way to put it because I was trying to figure out a way to express it because it is, it's a, something that it's like more tangible and it's, and you just, because I think hiding, because uh, in a way there, it's a gift to the world, you know, yeah. even if yeah. only one other person sees it, you, you know, or a hundred people see it or maybe somebody, I mean, you never know how something is going to impact someone too. You really don't. Yeah. yeah. And it gives yeah. people hope, I think. Hope that, um, you know, if they're going through something difficult, they can make it through. Um, hope that there are ways to kind of deal with it and work through it. And um, just that they're not alone. I mean, yes. that's valuable right there. So yes, uh, I think it's good that we do these things. And yeah. I, I, for one, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, you know, whether or not I make money from it is a whole other story. I, I actually think I, I um, could have done a little bit of a different path and made it a career, but I focused mm -hmm. on the other one instead. And so 
I'm hoping that when I retire, I can, you know, kind of use this as a stepping stone to something that is uh, around healing and transformation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. kind of waiting on that <laughs> with bated breath. <laughs> so, what is your um, advice to anyone, um, or a recommendation, or a book, or you know, any kind of tip to get them in the direction to use journaling and poetry as a healing modality for the Okay. Yeah. So I would say one of the books that I saw um, early on and I revisited it recently is called Spilling Open and it's by Sabrina Ward Harrison. Um, Very, very um, vulnerable, open um, book that really will inspire people to just, just throw it on the page. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Um, and then I think really just starting is the biggest advice that I could give people. Just get a notebook. I, I love to use old books from consignment shops. That's usually what I would do my work in, but whatever works and just kind of start putting something on the page and, and kind of committing to doing that on a regular basis, whether it's every day, every week. I think you really will, if you give it the chance to develop, you'll see the value of it in your life. And I think as we know, just connecting online. Uh, there are a lot of people that, um, that do this. Um, one of them is Orly Avenari. Do you know her? Uh, actually, the name kind of sounds familiar. She's, she's pretty well known in this, this journaling community, and she comes through Albuquerque um, periodically. I had a really neat opportunity to do one of her workshops, and she really focuses on understanding your past, reconciling it with the present, and just, you know, it's, it's a process. It's less about the result and more about your emotional process as you go through it. So her Facebook is really super inspiring. She puts work on there all the time. And I, I think that's a good one to look at too. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for taking the time today for uh, having a conversation with me on conversations. <laughs> so. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I'm, I'm glad to kind of meet you, you know, in person, virtually. Thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations. I really enjoyed it so much, and it was such a privilege to have Robin perform one of her poems for us on the podcast, too. So if you like this podcast, please rate it and review it, because the more that we have uh, ratings and reviews, the more people that will learn about it and can benefit from all of the guests that we have here. Until next time... Take care.